Deep in the farthest recesses of the most distant jungle lies a city. A city populated by the most mysterious, terrifying, and downright grotesque denizens ever seen by mortal eye. Here, in the darkened corners of this cavernous locale, sits an ordinary, average brick building with an innocuous, ordinary, average, blinking neon sign which reads, On Air. It is here where each week, Seth Breedlove and Mark Matsky convene to discuss the greatest mysteries the world has ever known. Now, strap on your hiking boots, grab your trusty walking stick, and don't forget your machete as we begin our journey through Monsteropolis. This is Monsteropolis, a show about anomalies, legends, and monsters. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Cave Explorer Seth Breedlove. I'm joined, as always, by my spelunking pal, Mark Matsky. I was hoping that was coming. Uh, Caver. They call themselves cavers. Cavers, yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that until extremely recently, Yeah, me looking too. into this stuff. Did you? Yeah, that's the way yeah. me. yeah. So uh, presumably we made it back to the surface. Maybe. <laughs> it's, it's possible. This could be posthumous uh, <laughs> release. Yeah. Uh, so um, uh, before we get into the show, Kickstarter launching February 4th, Thursday, February 4th. Is this is this the day this is? No, this is next week. I'm, I'm so confused on yeah. timing. This is next week, so no. No, no, not yeah. quite. Next week from when you're listening to this, Thursday, February 4th, 7 p.m. Eastern time kickstarter launch uh we'll be doing the live uh launch party mark will be here andy will be here i'll be here zach aaron probably wives everybody all all the all the hottest paranormal celebs are are gonna be here trapeze through yeah red carpet will there be a red carpet oh just like that minerva monster premiere (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah, we're we're uh, we're excited for this year's Kickstarter launch. All sorts of cool rewards and stuff are planned for that. Um, the largest number of titles ever involved in a Kickstarter before. Four new films coming out. Um, I don't know if I want to talk about this yet. We might these all might have a very wide release. Uh, definitely. Bell Witch is going to be getting a wider release in the next couple of months, so just just stay tuned. I'll try to figure out if we're going to be making a big announcement hmm. about this or not. But um, for squad members, On the Trail of Hauntings, episode one is out. Episode two comes out. I'm holding it. It's actually going to be done. Um, I'm holding it for the second Friday in February this, this, this time instead of the first Friday, like the first one came out. The reason is the Kickstarter launches on the 4th, um, the the fifth would would have been the release date of episode two. We're going to hold it for the next week just so we can keep the focus on the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. But if you're excited uh, about on the trail of hauntings, I'm really excited for people to see this episode that we're going to put out. Uh, for one thing, Andy's in it, but for another thing, the location's just so cool. Like it's just a really cool location. Um, and then episode three will be out at the beginning of March. It's a, a ridiculous episode. <laughs> Uh, in the best possible way. I don't know how to put it. I just know I've I've been looking at the 
uh, footage, some of the footage today, and just the location's insane, like the Mansfield Reformatory. And it's kind of funny to see the STM crew thrust into these situations to me. So, like, this one is to see where it started with that little cemetery to where we're walking around Mansfield. It's, it's a... It's a weird dichotomy. That's, yeah, it's quite a progression. Yeah, really. Now, did you have? Uh, could you go anywhere in there? Yes, <laughs> we, there were a couple of places we were not supposed to go that some of the crew went. Okay, unwittingly. Oh, and then once wittingly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we were we were pretty much they opened up the whole thing, wow. including the basement. Um, which, if you were watching the Facebook live, we actually were broadcasting while in the basement. Which is pretty wild that the the service is that good mm-hmm. down in there. But yeah, we were through the entire building. I mean, every nook and cranny. I would think someone from SCM was in at some point. We were all throughout it. You got a lot of EVPs. Tons of EVPs, man. There's just go on YouTube and look at the comments. They'll tell you. There's there were people telling me us every couple seconds that they were hearing a voice in the background, which was more than likely one of the dozen people that were in our. I don't know. Very large group. <laughs> Uh, we, we, it's a really amazing place. I don't know. It, I don't know what it is about haunting so far, but two of these locations have been two of my favorite locations to ever get to film it. Like, which is pretty wild when you think about what our budget is, what we're doing. The Mansfield reformatory was unbelievably gracious in letting us come and film and you know what they charged us to film and everything. It's, it was just a really crazy experience. Um, I'm excited just for people to get to see even just the production diaries from that episode. It'll be really cool. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it was crazy. There was a massive story running in the Canton repository on this. Um, he just texted me earlier. It's, it should be running Saturday or Sunday. Mm. He's telling me 13 photos are attached to this thing, wow. which makes me think this is multiple pages. Yeah. I can't imagine that number a is photo is essay accurate. But he was there. Ed Balent from the Canton Repository oh, yeah. was with us from 2 p.m. until like 11 at night or something. I mean, mm-hmm. he was there the entire shoot. Um, so he, I know it's going to be a pretty in-depth story. And he says the only paranormal thing he's ever had happen to him happened during this investigation. No kidding. And he says he didn't. Ha- he didn't tell anyone. So I'm curious to hear what this is. It'll be in the. Story. It's going to be in the story. Um, I know he had some, there was, he got pelted with rocks at one point too, but that from what I understood, that's not what, what this is. This hmm. is something else. So it'll be interesting. My goodness. Yeah. The Canton repository is doing a story on it. It'll be, I'm sure we'll share it on, on social media. He's been a good contact to have, hasn't mm-hmm. he? I mean, he's supported STM in the past. This guy, this guy just walks through the set in the middle of uh middle of the shoot. Look at him. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's been awesome, and I'm I'm inter- I'm going to be interested to see what he does with this because he's never been on a shoot with us. He's actually been with me the day of a shoot when I shot on the trail of Bigfoot. He was he um, rode with Adrian okay. and I out to Minerva, but um, he interviewed me on set. He interviewed a couple of people, so there's going to be video attached to mm-hmm. the to the digital version of wow. the story as well. So uh, it was pretty cool. He was with us through through most of the. He was with us when Aaron tried to kill us. Um, in the attic, there was some sort of screeching animal in the attic, and Aaron was really adamant about finding it, and I was adamant about not getting rabies. Mm-hmm. So we didn't go after it. Okay. He did. He Aaron went after did it. Did he Heather lay eyes on the creature? No. Okay. It was just hissing from somewhere. Oh, man. It's pretty creepy. 
Um, but yeah, all this is coming. We're really excited about it on the trail of hauntings and everything else that's coming after it. I forgot to tell you about my idea for a rogues hollow documentary that I'm going to start shooting very soon. So we got all sorts of stuff. We're going to be doing Mm -hmm. most of it for YouTube and then making its way to other places. Plus all the movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, so we're we're getting back into the Mammoth Cave stuff, uh, Kentucky stuff, the Bluegrass State, um, because Mark and I are leaving tomorrow for our annual Dudes Weekend with Tommy and Andy. So um, we're going to go to Mammoth Cave on Saturday. And Mark, I don't know, I can't get a clear read on this, but I, as I understood it from reading online, the tour is guided. Yes. But I think... After you're done with the guided portion, you can go self-guided. Ooh, really? So I wasn't clear on that. I'm, that's I what hope I'm, that's true. I'm not clear either. If it's self-guided, I'm like, I told Tommy, I'm like, you're going to have to be awake for the day because more than likely you're not going to get a nap like he's mm-hmm. used to the nap because I also got it. We got to take him to Dinosaur World. Oh, yes. Um, so tomorrow might or Saturday might be a very long day because if we can do self-guided, we're going to be in there for hours. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. There's two miles worth of caves. See, that's, I'm pretty yeah, sure it's self-guided so. because it says two miles worth of caves that you can, that are self-guided. Right. So I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And there's all these videos online of people walking through there by themselves. Mm-hmm. So I'm in masks. So I know this is more recent. Okay. So I think I, I'm hoping. Yeah. Fingers some crossed. Sort of, yeah. Self-guided aspect to this. Um, or else we'll just hide behind the rock. Yeah, we'll just wait. We'll hide behind the rock. Let the the cave, <laughs> the cave tour group will leave. I'm sure no one's ever tried that before. So I want to talk about the history of Mammoth Cave before we get into the weird stuff. Yeah, and I I have done a decent amount of research into this. I did. Um, I, there's a PBS documentary called Mammoth Cave, My Home, or Mammoth Cave, Our Home, or something oh. like that. And it leads me to believe that the Mammoth Cave story is very similar to the Cuyahoga Valley National Park story. Where there were people living there, they were either ceremoniously or unceremoniously escorted off their property and it became a national park. That's what I'm led to believe by watching this documentary. I don't know if you got into that I haven't side gotten, of... no, not that closely, but in the other reading that I did, mm-hmm. it clearly gave the impression that people were living right outside yes. of these caves, Floyd essentially. Collins, yeah. Which is, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about mm-hmm. Floyd, but... um. So I'm just going to read this off Wikipedia, but but we we know I think we know some more. I know more about this than I do most of the topics we get into. Uh, the story of human beings in relation to Mammoth Cave spans 5,000 years. Several sets of Native American remains have been recovered from Mammoth Cave or other nearby caves in the region in both the 19th and 20th centuries. Most mummies found represent examples of intentional burial with ample evidence of pre-Columbian funerary practice. We're going to talk about mummies more. Um, an exception, it, it, basically it goes into this whole thing. But people have known about Mammoth Cave for a very long time. Since the 1800s, people have been visiting Mammoth Cave. Um, and before that, there's evidence that that um, Native Americans were in there. They found bodies, Native American bodies buried in the cave. I'm not, this doesn't give me a very accurate example of when the Mammoth Cave became a national park, but it looks like in 1972, the unification of Mammoth Cave with the even longer system under Flint Ridge became, that's when it became Mammoth Flint Ridge Cave System, but in 1941 is when it actually became a national park. So it's expanded even since then. The mind-blowing aspect of this was... Tommy and I just did a little 
tour cave tour and that's one of the reasons i was so excited to do mammoth cave is like we just did this ohio caverns tour um you know you're always like squeezing in between these these cave walls and it's very tight all the all the quarters are really tight um i watched a video of this thing and it's enormous and then i read so the people listening to this probably think I'm a complete moron. I had no idea this is the largest cave system in the world that we know of. Um, 400 miles of mapped tunnels. But but they estimate, scientists or geologists or whatever, estimate that there could be anywhere from two to 500 additional miles of tunnels still. So there is a point where our knowledge of how far this extends hits a wall, um, which brings us to to you know maybe not yet but some of the ideas that this could be and one of apparently seven entrances to the hollow earth which we can talk about but just the just the sheer scale and size of this cave is insane yeah did you know about this when i can't even remember how we decided on mammoth cave you mentioned it didn't you well it spun off of you know your ohio caverns experience okay and then I had just mentioned in passing because, you know, on our way to and from Falk, that would, had been a place that, um, you know, we were trying to figure out if it was possible for us to wedge in a visit there, and it just didn't work. But right. uh, so it had been in the back of my mind for a we long dr- time. We drive through there. it constantly. We, um, Andy, Zach, and I and Aaron stopped at um, Cave City on the way back to, to yeah. go to Dinosaur World, right. which we'll be returning to <laughs> yes. this coming weekend. Um, so I think that's really how it got started and that's somewhere I've always wanted to see, but you know, the, the scale of it still, I, I've somewhat avoided watching too much video about it cause I just want to have the experience of huh. seeing it firsthand for the first time there. So I think I've gone the other direction. I've, I've really, I don't know why, but I've really dived into it. I think mm-hmm. it's, I think it's so, it's. It's it's funny because these things that we're, we hear so much about, these these landmarks like the Grand Canyon or Yellowstone or Yosemite, they're, they're so in the forefront. But I don't think you understand the scale of this cave until you've gone in one of the what we know is like more like the tourist trap type, mm-hmm. cave, type cave. And I'm not necessarily using that term in like a derogatory. I love those mm-hmm. places. I love that Ohio Caverns. I highly recommend going there. But this is like on another. There's a town in this place. Mm. Like it's huge. There's a tuber, to that. Do you know about like the tuberculosis? Yeah. Okay. I'm assuming that's going to come up with ghosts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. But yeah, there's a. We'll we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Then. But just the this the sheer scale of this, and then I think one other thing we probably want to mention is that it ties into a lot of other caves. A lot of the other caves in this area tie back to Mammoth Cave or connected in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a Lost River Cave in Bowling Green, which I think would actually be really cool to visit, if not for the fact that it's winter mm-hmm. and you have to get in a boat to go through the oh, cave wow. and it might be a little cold. Yeah. If you want to go, I'm totally fine <laughs> with it. Um, you, it's a... Uh, it's interesting. Lost River Cave does connect to Mammoth, from what I was reading. Uh, it's in Bowling Green, and so you know, thirty minutes away. But um, this cave was used as a dump. They removed something like five hundred cars or so, some astronomical number to to salvage the cave, to like wow. reclaim the cave. 
Um, and today it's like a, an attraction. You go yeah. there and you can you go through the cave and you're in a boat. Um, but apparently that, you know, this thing keeps going like it's mm-hmm. wild and there's a river that goes through it. And that's how you which I believe is what differentiates a wet cave from a dry cave. Is that correct? I don't know. That's I mean, it sounds logical. I'm assuming <laughs> that's that's an assumption on my part. But then you also have um, the, as soon as you get within 50 miles of Mammoth Cave, you start seeing signs for different caves mm-hmm. and Crystal Cave and mm-hmm. um, which is going to come up again. Right. Um, sand Cave. Sand, is it called Sand Cave? The one that he actually died There's in. Sand, yeah. Okay. Yes. Can we just get to that? Well, what's so interesting about that, this relates to what you were saying about the uh, home ownership, Mm -hmm. is that I think there really was a time early on in the history of the discovery of the caves and the the living in various places where there was great competition between these caves. You know, like this, that became, that's the reason why some people moved there was to purchase property. That included a cave. The Kentucky Cave Wars. Did yes. you read about this? Yeah, okay. exactly. Man, we're great. And we're that, on today. And, and that includes... Eat your heart out, Astonishing yeah. Legends. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that includes then the mummies that were brought up before. Yes. The mummies started to be used as... Yeah, as tourist attractions. Attractions, yes. yeah. Um, oh, one other thing, just on the, the like the... History. The history level, I think, the, like you were talking about, not all of the, the caves are mapped to this day. Yeah. If I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I read something about like highly trained volunteers are still going yeah. in and mapping, it's which is amazing. absolutely horrifying to watch. I watched a little bit of um, the spelunking they do in these place these places, and I believe that's there's a fat man squeeze or something in, in, that, in Mammoth Cave. And, and you could actually, you and I could do it if you go in and do the, there, there's a version of the tour and I don't know if it's part of the national park or what, but mm-hmm. you go through with a spelunker and they take you through this, this hole in the ground that you have to squeeze your way through. There's no way. Cause I actually do get a little claustrophobic. Like mm-hmm. that Ohio caverns actually gave me some anxiety when I was in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of those tunnels that they're exploring still are pretty terrifying. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, it's funny, I started watching a documentary yesterday from the 1980s called uh, Mysteries Underground. Okay. And I think it's like a 35 minute, like t- it was probably a TV show, mm-hmm. but it's about, they, they were interviewing cavers or Splunk. What's the difference? <laughs> I don't know. They were interviewing cavers. Yeah. And um, the guy that they interviewed said that if they had, if he had been alive in the 1800s he would have been one of he would have been an explorer like he would have been if he was alive then he would have gone out with like lewis and clark out out west Mm -hmm. and i thought how interesting that is because we always think of and i think this point is made in the documentary as well but we always think of like explorers anymore as being astronauts like you're going to outer space you're going to the The final frontier frontier, right? right sure but is there anything more adventurous than going into the heart of the earth? Like you have no idea what's down there. Mole people. That's it. That's all I got. Mole people, bat people, all the people, lizard people, yeah. apparently. Entire civilizations. Right? Yeah. But I mean, for me, for my money, that is the, that is some real ballsy stuff mm-hmm. to be going, to be going down there. Yeah. Um, 
I just, I just think I've, I don't know why, but I've become completely enamored with this whole cave thing mm-hmm. in the last since Tommy and I took that trip. Well, and there's also the reasonable assurance that you could be the only person who have seen what some of these saying. things. Yeah, and I think there's something. I mean, that's the pioneering spirit. Well, really. This that that huge cave in Vietnam, which has the largest, I believe, the largest cavern, correct? Mm-hmm. Like the one that's like the size of football fields or something. Mm-hmm. That was only discovered in the last couple decades, if I'm not mistaken. And I mean that that stretches through the earth like a ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I saw a miles. diagram of that in some magazine. Mm-hmm. There's one in New Mexico that's like that. Um, might be the second biggest in the United States behind Mammoth Cave. Um, but yeah, the anyway, we probably need to get into the exciting stuff. Um, I think it's going to quickly become legends, anomalies, monsters, and caves. <laughs> <laughs> every every week we'll, we'll talk about a new cave. <laughs> Uh, where do we want to start though? Because I I keep oh, going back to Floyd. Well, Collins, here but. there's like a, a soft transition from last week. I do have some Bigfoot Mammoth Cave yeah, crossover stories. I do too. Do you want to? Should we get those? I'm gonna out let of the you way? do the, do do a couple of those so I don't spend a bunch of time on it. All right. Well, this is 2003, so it's kind of cool. They're relatively recent. Uh, nighttime yowler activity was reported from the Five Star Diamond Caverns Resort and Golf Club in Mammoth Cave State Park in the summer of 2003. Hairy humanoid monsters are often described as making yowling sounds. Uh, Nearly four years after the report of eerie noises at the golf club, a deer hunter named Chris saw something he would never forget near Cave City at around 4 a.m. on the morning of January 3rd, 2007. He was getting ready to come down from his deer stand, looking everything over, when he heard an ungodly high-pitched scream come from the nearby woods. Then I smelled this awful smell like something was dead, Chris later stated. It was then I caught sight of this thing out of the corner of my eye. A man-like hairy giant stood eight feet tall. Uh, Chris remained in his stand, which was situated 15 feet above the ground in a wooded area of Lazy Acre Estates. The thing screamed. Everything became extremely quiet. The rotten stench that filled the air was so strong that he felt nauseous. The dark-colored hairy creature was walking from left to right in front of his stand. Uh, Chris said the thing's hands hung down to around knee level, had broad shoulders and a big bulky body. And there's another uh, hunting sighting in May 7th, 2007. And then another sighting uh, that a couple intended to take a late night stroll near a wooded pond near Cave City. Uh, They were driving near Mammoth Cave, decided to walk around this pond trail, and the lights hit something red and it moved like a pair of red eyes. We got out of the car and heard this grunt, followed by the sound of heavy footsteps running in their direction, and they got out of there as quickly as possible. Well, now I got to go with my lizard man story, just just because I feel like this, we're still, we're we're on creatures and Mammoth Cave, and this isn't directly in Mammoth Cave, so I think I probably should. It connects back to Mammoth Cave, but anyway, okay, I started reading this on the last episode inadvertently. (laughs) Uh, 1966, this takes place. When I was around nine years old, oh, and um, this is from Mysterious Kentucky Volume 1 by Barton Nunnally. Uh, when I was around nine years old living in Breckenridge County, I had the most hair-raising experience of my life. One night while fast asleep in my bed, I woke to a loud commotion outside my bedroom window as if something hit the side of my house. I sprang to the window and looked out but saw nothing, so I ran to the living room and pulled back the curtains to the window of the front door and came face to face with the most strange creature. I can only best describe it as a lizard man, although the only human thing about it was the fact that it stood on two legs and was about five six to six feet tall. 
As you can imagine, we really startled each other. It quickly turned and ran for the creek next to my house, and I jumped back from the window. I then ran to an adjacent window to catch a glimpse of it as it ran away on two legs towards the creek, which was about 75 yards from my house. I lost sight of it as it disappeared into the darkness. Uh, he goes on to describe it as very amphibious with scales covering its entire body, uh, a ridge-like feature on, on its forehead, um, ran over the back of its head. There's a illustration by Barton Nunnally. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I think that's on the cover of his book, The Inhumanoids. Um, that's very detailed sighting. Yes. Yeah, so um, one, the reason this connects back is our house is located on an acre, on an acre where Sinking Creek meets the Ohio River. Sinking Creek originates 15 miles upstream stream in Big Springs, Kentucky. An interesting fact, this creek is the only natural trout spring-fed creek in Kentucky. Um, there's some more information on the on the area, but this creek is believed to connect to the vast underwater system which connects the many caverns of western Kentucky, the most noted being the Caverns of Mammoth Cave. Hmm. Um, the witness was interviewed by Charlie, Charlie Raymond, naturally, who believed the witness was very credible. He's married, 49 years old, two children in college. Uh, and it all connects back to... Mammoth cave, Mammoth cave and the yeah and the cave systems there. So the bottom line is just by virtue of where we are staying. Yes, we we're putting ourselves in, in mortal danger <laughs> if you believe David Polites. Uh, so, which which brings me to something like I I thought um, I would look up like missing persons cases in mm-hmm. Mammoth Cave and there are a few but nothing mm-hmm. like that stands out. I'm sure he's got some that he he thinks are like standouts but yeah uh this brought me to a uh a post on reddit about about cave systems i spent a lot of time on reddit yesterday i even downloaded the app which i've never had i've always just gone off the browser yeah um i had to download the app because it was an nsfw thread it said and i had to to access it it turned out i don't know why it was listed as that Mm -hmm. there was nothing in there that i would consider not safe for work um it's just scary. It's so scary. It's so scary. You could end up under your desk. <laughs> but there was there was someone had reposted the map. And you probably already know which map I'm yep. talking about, which mm-hmm. is the map where they take missing persons cases and they overlay it with cave systems in the United States. As I understand it, he is leaving a lot of a lot of cases off of this. We're not talking about every missing persons case in the United States. These are the these are only the cases that he considers um, strange and unusual. Mm-hmm. He overlays it with the cave systems, but leaves out the fact that most of the mapped caves in America are in national parks, which kind of would be why you've got the overlap happening is because he's almost solely focusing. I know he does other books, but he he almost solely focuses on those national parks, if I'm not mistaken. And a lot of those national parks have thousands of miles of caves under them Mm -hmm. anyway. So you're talking about an overlap that happens just by dint of where these things yeah. are set I would it's funny I tried to come up with like a good example and it, my examples or analogies were terrible it was like if you <laughs> if you were trying to like you were trying it, the one I thought of first but it doesn't quite work was that if you were it'd be like if you were doing a study on uh, people who eat hamburgers and then you tried to to insinuate that look at all these how all these hamburger towns all these hamburger people overlay with like where there's a mcdonald's and a wendy's and it doesn't it doesn't quite work right but it it sort of kind of does yeah the analogy 
comes across. It needs some work. I'll keep working on it. Okay. Anyway, and I don't think has David is David the one that drew that conclusion because what I I read that credited with someone else as being the guy that overlaid those. Well, as as we know, there's an avoidal of avoidance of conclusion. Yes. Okay. There's insinuation, but no conclusion is conclusions. But, but yeah, I think that 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 map was generated by him. Mm-hmm. Um, that what see the other thing that that brings up just um, trying to make whatever connections exist. There would also be major river systems Mm -hmm. nearby any of those places as well, and especially in national parks. Yes. So I don't know how that and cave systems go hand in hand, but I know that there are, there is a one volume of missing 411 that is all about water Hmm. and rivers and bodies being found in water. So Hmm. again, it, What's the conclusion? I don't think there is. Mole people. Yeah. No, I'm not kidding. The, I'm, I'm kind of kidding, but I'm not necessarily they pull you kidding. In, this consume this Reddit thread, and then they the, jettison yeah. your body. No, this is this the th- Reddit thread was all about like how there's like the subterranean people coming up and kidnapping people, hmm. which I mean we did just read a, an account of someone who saw a lizard man. Sure. And, and it's a scout. Sure. And I mean, you've got the Loveland frog and you've got you. We do have, you know, accounts of amphibious creatures in waterways. And why not mole people? You, <laughs> you have no idea how to take this. <laughs> yeah. uh, OK, can we talk about can we talk about Floyd Collins? We can. Yeah. Do you absolutely. have something else you want to talk about first? No, not first, but we cannot miss the mummies. No, mummies I'm, I'm kind of saving because I okay. think it's so interesting. Okay, yeah, then let's talk about Floyd. And Floyd should uh, dovetail well into hauntings. Mm-hmm. So can you set up Floyd? Because I have a feeling you're going to do a better job of it. Well, me. I the book that I randomly picked up a, a while back at a half-price books is called Scary Stories of Mammoth Cave by Colleen O'Connor mm-hmm. Olson. And the thing that I like about this book so much, and I just, I only, I mean, rediscovered the fact that I had this book based on our trip coming up, is that it's compiled by, it's largely compiled by former uh, retired uh, tour leaders through the cave system. So they're taking the stories that they have either told or heard, and based on the shared sort of oral history of Mammoth Cave, that's what this is a compilation of. But then... They did some extra historical. So they actually do. They actually part of the guided tour is a whole section on Floyd, including where they take you to his house and where the cave mm-hmm. and they show you where they sold tickets to Crystal Cave and all that. Yeah. Because that if I'm not mistaken, Crystal Cave has been. Has that been? Um, it's part of the system. Now. Yeah, it's been included now in, mm-hmm. the, in the national park system. But right as of right now, I don't know if it's COVID related or not. You can't go through. Okay. I, I might, it's probably COVID. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It's not like it's our tax dollars paying for <laughs> this. You know what? It's ridiculous that we have to pay. Never mind. We're fine. Right. It's We're fine. fine. Uh, yeah. Deep breaths. <laughs> so Floyd, you, you want to hear about Floyd? Yeah, tell me about Floyd. Okay. Well, uh, Floyd had a passion for making money from caves. Just um, like our uh, national park service. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I was, actually, I'm very supportive of our national parks. Yes. Um, so you, know, you talked about the cave wars before. That was a real thing. Yeah. People would move in. They would uh, target certain properties to mm-hmm. try to acquire because of the type of cave that it had. And they felt that 
this versus that cave and how close it was to two major throughways is is the thing crystal mm-hmm. cave set further back i'm just yeah. saying this so right. you know that i actually know <laughs> something so the long story short the the collins family was losing the cave wars mm-hmm. um crystal was a beautiful cave but as you said further off the the beaten path yeah uh, floyd knew a better location was needed to attract tourists he knew of a cave called Sand Cave along the main highway leading to Mammoth Cave, and that by stopping tourists on their way to Mammoth, he would get plenty of business if Sand Cave was worthy of show quality. So he explored it, and he was uh, an experienced caver, but like a lot of these people uh, at in the early 1900s, he was also highly individualistic, and uh, he made the cardinal sin of caving, which was to go in by himself. And so on January 30th, 1925, while exploring Sand Cave by himself, a 25-pound rock slipped and caught Floyd's foot, trapping him in the narrow passage with no one to hear his calls for help. And he was missed the next day. Friends went looking for him. Uh, They yelled down into the cave, and Floyd responded, Come to me. I'm hung up. He asked him to send for his brother Homer and his friend Johnny Gerald, a caving companion, who had freed him when he had once become stuck in Crystal Cave. So uh, family and friends soon arrived. Those who were small enough could actually crawl down to Floyd and feed him uh, while they worked on freeing him from his underground prison. And what began as just sort of this local cave rescue became very quickly a nationwide story in newspapers massive to the point where i was actually able to find video footage where are you really? on on youtube there's a 40 maybe 44 second clip of the crowds gathering around the mouth of the cave and um i would assume was on like a news movie yeah. newsreel is what mm-hmm. it looked like yep absolutely and it was just i mean people became floyd fans mm-hmm. essentially yeah and rooting for him to Make it out alive. And there so were forth. vendors selling food and <laughs> uh, apparel, merchandise of some yes. sort that began gathering as well. Yeah. It You're, became a circus. It did. No, that's exactly right. It says, in according to uh, Olson, the country road leading to the rescue site was choked bumper to bumper with cars and horse-drawn vehicles. The L&N Railroad added extra coaches to its Louisville to Cave City train. Stands selling hot dogs and hamburgers were set up. Booths were set up to sell cave onyx, heal all elixirs, moonshine, and balloons with sand cave printed on them. And it became such a, like a media, you want to look, but you can't look away, sort of that sensation. It inspired a film. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. It's called Ace in the Hole. Uh-uh. It stars Kirk Douglas. It's oh. almost like a film noir. Wow. It, very uh, nihilistic in tone. I love it. Wow. <laughs> I actually have it on iTunes. But it's uh, it's about that carnival scene that sprang up. And it alleges um, certain things about how hard they were trying to save Floyd because of what had built up around yeah. that. So it is really well done. And it huh. says a lot about our modern media situation as well. So um, about the fifth day of Floyd's entrapment, a rock fall possibly occurred in sand cave and it became harder to reach Floyd. And those who were working on digging to get to him um, 
could still hear his voice, but it was starting to yeah, get this, weaker. Yeah, this is pretty disturbing to me, just mm-hmm. as someone who feels claustrophobic. I yeah, yeah, it gets. I mean, they're t- they're able to converse with him. I believe they are. Yeah, yeah and, absolutely. The, and the length of time that he stays alive down there, mm-hmm. fourteen days, basically. If, yeah, and eventually he succumbs to hypothermia. I believe is right. I mean, obviously the starvation would be an issue as well. Yeah, he. Um, you know, they were trying to get to him through the already existing opening, and when that became um, seemingly impossible, they decided to dig a shaft to get to him. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a technique that, you know, when you hear about these other stories like miners being trapped in a group that sometimes they will attempt to, to you know, dig another shaft into the, the same area in order to try to get to the person. So um, more than two weeks after the ordeal began, the shaft reached Floyd. A rescue worker scrambled down to him but discovered that he was dead. Yeah, three days, three days after past the original yeah now he's not gone no he's not he was not um uh, yeah i'm assuming you've got some insight on this sure well it, it's a macabre from beginning to end yeah. because evidently floyd's body stayed in the cave. oh yeah okay yeah we're not to the ghostly part. no yeah. for for two and a half this is months super weird yeah the body was there for moved four times two and a half months even before being brought out right so that that gets you kick started. It then he was buried yes. on Collins family land near Crystal Cave and after a couple of years at rest, his father Lee Collins sold Crystal Cave to Dr. H.B. Thomas, yes. a local dentist already in the commercial cave business. With the purchase, Dr. Thomas obtained permission to move Floyd's body into Crystal Cave for display in a glass topped coffin. Glass top coffin. A dead body. A dead body. His features were restored by a mortician to try to make them somewhat oh, more presentable. So weird, man. And so, um, ironically, Olson does an excellent job of of setting this up. But Floyd was more successful attracting customers to Crystal Cave after his death than during his life because people flocked to come see Floyd Collins resting in state. Uh, in Crystal Cave. But, another twist, two years into his stint as a tourist attraction, his body was stolen. So, um, it was eventually found near, guess where? Mammoth Cave. The Green River. Ah, oh, darn it. <laughs> it's the Green River Killer. <laughs> so, uh, there's all sorts of allegations about who did it and why. Some felt that owners of rival caves thought that getting rid of Floyd would mean more business for them. Others allege that Dr. Thomas staged the abduction to get more publicity for Crystal Cave and that maybe bringing the body back would be a huge story. Um, however, when the body was returned, Dr. Thomas replaced the glass lid with a regular coffin lid, but evidently that did not stop visitors from lifting the lid in their morbid curiosity to see so it, it, he's buried now in like a Baptist church cemetery. Yeah, in 1961, the National Park Service purchased Crystal Cave and public tours ended. Uh, Floyd stayed in his subterranean repose with only occasional visits until, as you said, he was moved to the Mammoth Cave Baptist Church Cemetery in 1989. And evidently there is a book entitled Trapped with an exclamation point 
That's by Robert Murray best. and Roger Brucker that tells the full entire historical story of Floyd Collins. Um, and Flo- okay, this is what I was getting at earlier. Supposedly, mm-hmm. Floyd still roams the yeah the uh, the the caverns of uh, not just Crystal Cave but Mammoth Cave. And and from what I understood from watching a video on YouTube that featured a park ranger telling the story. Mm-hmm. He's become sort of like an unofficial mascot of the national park. They have mm-hmm. a there's a monument to him there. There's there's a lot of stuff. But um, I did come across a story where there was a caver in there with someone. She she got too close to a ledge and almost fell and felt herself pulled yeah. back from the ledge. Thought it was the the other person she was caving with and realized it had been old Floyd Collins saving her life. Yeah. And so supposedly he still roams the halls there and uh, helps helps the uh, occasional caver in need. Yep. Keeps you from going over yeah. the edge or intervenes versus the lizard people. That's the thing. Those lizard people. <laughs> it's going to be lizard people versus the ghost of Floyd Collins. Yeah. It's my new comic book. <laughs> it's a graphic novel. It's the first yeah. STM foray into... Uh, the comic book world and the story that i just wanted to summarize real quickly is this couple art and peg palmer they're geologists and they were doing some of that sort of volunteering work that we were talking about of mapping certain parts of the cave and uh, art palmer sets up the story by saying the two of us were in the upper southern end of the lost passage on a lengthy photo trip and I became aware of a rhythmic pounding from down the passage. It was intense but muffled, as though someone were beating vigorously with a hammer on a slab of rock about 500 feet away. Eventually, Peg looked up and asked, what's that noise? And naturally, I played dumb and said, what noise? And said, oh, that. And he's joking around with his wife and so on and so forth. But uh, later, uh, he went. he goes through this whole thing and says... He checked out all the things that this could have potentially been, and they all got crossed off the list, such as overlaying land, there's no roads, no machinery, no one had access to the cave that week, few people know how to get to that part of the cave, seismic studies have found intense sledgehammer blows and truck traffic over six-inch barriers at the surface cannot be detected at the depth that they were at. So what caused it? And he said, years later, it dawned on us, that the sound appeared to emanate from the very spot where Floyd Collins had set up a small camp and occasionally paused to eat and where he would flatten his bean cans with a rock. <laughs> Is that a thing? Yeah. Flattening flattening bean cans. Um, there's a lot of ghostly activity connected to the caves, which I think could also just be attributed to the fact that they're a very large cave, creepy, no sound. When there is sound. You know, that's one thing I could not tell about those caverns we were in in Ohio. You know that dripping? Oh, yeah. You hear sure. in like the most like stereotype yeah. cave. You know, yeah, like that's a standard. That was happening thing. in that cave. Was it the entire really? time. I'm like, are they funneling <laughs> this in through speakers? See because speakers. Yeah. It just seems so like wall. over the top to me. <laughs> yeah. It was exactly like that. Um. Yeah, and I think, too, I mean, visually, there's probably a lot of tricks that your eyes play on you in there, especially in a tour like Mammoth Cave, where in the past, I don't know if they still do this, we'll find out, where when you go into certain sections of the cave, you turn off one light and you turn on another. Yes. And so you could imagine there would be, like, many tricks of movement and shadow mm-hmm. in those cases where people could be convinced they had seen 
something moving or, you know, hiding behind a rock when in fact it was just a, a trick of the light. Uh, however, there are, I think there's some compelling historical reasons for there to be ghostly figures sighted in the cave. And that goes back to the hospital units that oh, were gosh, built. Dude, this is, in this is nuts to it me. It is nuts. Uh, I don't, do you know the guy's name? The doctor? Yeah, I can look it up. Okay. You can start with the story. Yeah, basically want. there's a doctor and I don't know, if, is this a local or were these people coming from all over? I think all it was over. local. Okay. Yeah, was, eventually the intention was to bring people from all so over. So yeah, they the built place. these little, I mean, I don't know how to call, they're called hospitals, but it's like a little town inside this mm-hmm. around 1840? Yeah, 1839 Mammoth Cave was purchased by Dr. John Crogan. Yes. And, and he's the one who hatches this plan. Yeah, his plan is to John Crogan brings all these poor people with tuberculosis into the caves, sets them up in there, and they basically all die of smoke inhalation, right? Like smoke uh, asphyxiation. Like they all die in this cave because I mean, this is the most stereotypical 1800s doctor thing I've ever heard. Yes. Like it's. It would be comical if it wasn't absolutely tragic. Like all these people died down there, including him. He also dies down there um, because they're lighting fires in the, in the cave, I guess, to stay warm and to make food, I would assume. And to see. And to see. So they got all this <laughs> fire, these fires going and they all die of smoke inhalation. Right. And ironically, I mean, the reason that they were down in the caves in the first place... So they could breathe. Was they Right. They felt there was some property that the cave air yeah. had yeah. that would have would be healing for these people. That was Mark's foot, by the way, for those watching. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear how we're ripping it on air or something. Um, yeah, that that's the, oh, the most insane story uh, probably connected directly with the caves to me. Like, the, the actual, like you know, historically verified. Right. And we're, I think we will get to see that those buildings, the structures are still, they're still in there. Yeah. And in the historic part of the cave that I, I'm pretty sure we have the, I hope so. I hope so because I found out (laughs) this is some inside baseball stuff. but I, I found out that each tour has 15 tickets available at the door the day of. So when I reserved us the shorter one, because the other one was sold out, Mm -hmm. but we may have actually been able to get on the longer one. Oh, so I didn't know that. I just we'll, we'll see what uh, shakes out. Idiot! Oh, I hate myself. <laughs> so um, I, this is how um, weird the story is. Uh-huh. Is first of all, there's a physical description that was written that just those patients who remained in the cave three or four months presented a frightening appearance. The face was entirely bloodless, eyes sunken. Pupils dilated to such a degree that the iris ceased to be visible so that no matter what the original color of the eye might have been, it soon appeared black. And so here's the freakiest part of all. Meanwhile, tours continued through the cave. (laughs) Oh, my God. Are you serious? Past the wood and stone buildings of the consumptive patients, one can easily imagine the surprise awaiting visitors to the cave during 1842 and 1843. In the bleak distance, ghostly apparitions would seem to float between buildings. As one approached these ghosts, they would become more solid and reveal themselves to be alive, although the ghastly expressions of suffering on their faces showed that the essence of life was slowly draining from their bodies. So, while these people were down there, convalescing and slowly dying, tours were being operated and people would see them. That's wild. 
So you could, f- from that, I thought, well, it it seems like a matter of course that somebody would walk away from that experience. Ghostly saying, legend. Yeah. Gross. We saw a ghost or a weird, yeah. I don't know if zombies were necessarily a thing in 1843, huh. but you saw some shambling yeah. wraith-like figure. Undead person. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, That's sad and s- weird. Disturbing. And, yeah. Huh. Oh, and the other thing is then there is a, evidently a, a place there mm-hmm. in, oh yeah, here it is. Uh, visitors to Mammoth Cave today can still see the silent testimonials of an experiment in the dark. Two stone consumptive cabins remain, one of which stands beside a slab of stone known as Corpse Rock. Oh. The bodies oh, of patients who had succumbed to their disease were laid out on it until they were removed okay. for burial. So hopefully one or both of us can have our pictures taken on Corpse Rock. And framed it, uh, for posterity. Do they have it marked so we could go in and? I would assume so. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, we'll or see. Or we can you. just now that we have this knowledge, we can just straight up ask our yeah. guide, show us. Dude, we should try rock. to show up the guide the whole time. Like we know, we know more. Ask him about the lizard people. I have no idea. <laughs> um, I thought as much. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you know where the lizard people are? What? Yeah, I that thought so. <laughs> Uh, typical, <laughs> typical tour guide, <laughs> typical national park employee. Uh, okay, so we got to talk a little bit about because we still got to get to the mummies. Yeah. We're already at fifty-two minutes. Oh, wow. um, the, the I found an article online. This led me down the rabbit trail I talked about on on this episode and the last one mm-hmm. of uh, Hollow Earth. Um, but but here's some names of some of the locations in because the, they've given they've christened mm-hmm. some of these landmarks within the cave different things one is called the haunted chambers the others the giant's coffin the devil's looking glass and the bottomless pit and the bottomless pit and this is super interesting and i don't even know how um paranormal this actually is but there is a very large pit uh and i'm sure by now they've mapped it to the bottom this article that i found doesn't really give a lot of information on it but to reach the pit, I don't think this is the case anymore, but for a long time, you had to go down an area called Symes. What is it? Oh, darn it. I can't find the name of the actual. There was like a walkway there. I'm trying to find the Symes uh, something or other. Uh, anyway, okay. So so Symes, it was named after Symes. And it was, oh, here it is. Mammoth Cave was the Symes Pit Branch named for well-known war hero, scientist, and public figure, Captain John Cleves Symes. Have you ever heard that name before? Mm-mm. Born to a prominent New Jersey family, Symes gained fame for his military career during the War of 1812, where he rose to the rank of captain. He is more famous, however, for being the American that created the hollow earth theory, which stated that the earth was hollow and that the interior was accessible through openings at the poles. They named it this, as far as I can see, this guy never was in this cave. <clears throat> okay. He did, however, live in Newport, Kentucky in 1820, uh, devoted himself to the promotion of his theory of concentric, concentric spheres. His theory stated that the earth consisted of a series of habitable concentric spheres that acts and access to the lower levels of the earth could be gained through polar openings. His theories were never accepted by the American public. He died in 1829, basically broke, uh, poor, um, 
they named this the Symes Pit branch apparently as a joke. Okay. Like almost to poke fun yeah. at him. As far as I can find, he never actually set foot in Mammoth Cave, at least not not that I see. Now, this led me down a rabbit hole, and unfortunately I did not keep the page open. But on Reddit, um, there was a thread all about the Hollow Earth. And apparently there's a belief that there are seven openings to the Hollow Earth, uh, one of them being Mammoth Cave. And and the belief is that <clears throat> there that these hundreds of miles of unmapped cave aren't unmapped. We know what they are. The government has kept them locked up and isn't allowing people to get to the hollow earth. And so the people in the Reddit thread were trying to form some sort of storming the st- storming the wall sort of <laughs> deal where they're going to go find the hollow earth. Um, <clears throat> but it was it was Just very interesting. It's probably. January twenty third, yeah. the storm, yeah. mammoth storm cave. mammoth cave. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be our next Facebook. Yeah. Video. Um. So, th- anyway, I thought that was a really interesting co- connection back mm-hmm. to the hollow earth theory, and then to find that there are theories that have grown up around mammoth cave. Obviously, there would be. It's the largest known cave in the world. Um. But but the fact that as far back as like the 1800s, people mm-hmm. were drawing correlations between Symes, who invented that theory, and and the Hollow Earth, and and it all grew up around that bottomless pit. So mm-hmm. there was this that Symes pit branch led to the what they call the bottomless pit, and then there's a huge pit in the ground, which apparently I think there's a rail around it now, but at the time. Many people fell to their death down this oh hole my. because there's almost a slope and in like a, you, you don't quite see it, but there's a slope. Yeah. And uh, so a number of people died on the, oh, bottomless pit. Wow. And the lizard people got them. So <laughs> free, free supper that night. Huh? So, yeah, um, if you I mean, I feel like there's more than enough fodder here. Did you know that um, Lovecraft has a short story based in mammoth kid yes you did know about i this. ran it well because of <clears throat> just running into it in the literature that i looked at but mm-hmm. do you know what the story is about yeah and yeah. like a, a basically a subterranean dwelling troglodyte essentially that is killed by a, a cave visitor mm-hmm. um and they discover that there's this race of cave dwellers yeah. living down there right i mean it's like just just the setting is enough to like fire the imagination. Absolutely. I would assume. Yeah. I mean, as soon as you go and say that there's bottomless pits or there's uncharted areas, mm-hmm. then the imagination yeah. springs to life, you yeah. know, and starts wondering what's down there. And I think that's partially due to the fact as well that there have been discoveries in the cave. Recent um, yeah. discoveries too. Shark, um, like the most recent discovery I think involves a, an unknown species of shark. Did you hear about that? No. no. <clears throat> okay, there's there's like video on that online, which I didn't even have a chance to get into. Um, and I'm assuming also this is a nice segue into our mummy yeah. discussion. Our mummy. Our mummy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> take us there. Sure. Well, the uh, one of the things that was a major draw, along with the caves themselves, when these started to become, you know, commercially viable tourist attractions was the um, showing of mummified beings that were discovered in the cave. And as it says in Olson's book, um, soon after settlers rediscovered the natural entrance in the late 1790s, 
evidence of prehistoric explorers was noticed. Um, in the early 1800s, three prehistoric bodies referred to as mummies were found by nitrate miners in Short Cave, approximately seven miles from Mammoth Cave. Uh, the first was to be found in Short Cave was the body of an infant buried very close to the entrance in 1811. Uh, excavation revealed the body accidentally and the atmosphere, a letter from the era reveals the following. The atmosphere of these caves prevents all putrefaction. Dead bodies have been found, which when first seen were apparently as perfect as the period when deposited there. A child was lately dug up in a cave wrapped in cloth, described as resembling canvas, enveloped in deer skin. The corpse appeared as if newly dead, but upon exposure to the open atmosphere in a few hours crumbled into dust. And then... What's the body of an adult male was discovered shortly thereafter and became a prominent exhibit at Scudder's Museum in New York City. It became known as the Scudder Mummy. It was seen by Constantine Samuel Raffinesque, a brilliant and eccentric naturalist of the day. While visiting the museum in 1818, he drew an illustration of the mummy. This drawing was published in the medical repository by Dr. Samuel L. Mitchell. And then there's a description of the mummy that's there. But the thing historically that's so interesting about that is in 1841, a showman by the name of P.T. Barnum purchased the Scudder Museum and its contents. The name was changed to Barnum's American Museum. The exhibition of the mummified body contributed to Barnum's fame and fortune, and thousands saw the body on display until the catastrophic fire, which destroyed the museum, destroyed the mummy as well on July 13, 1865. So the third mummified body from Short Cave became its most famous, uh, firmly placing Mammoth Cave in the public arena of tourism after the War of 1812. This was an adult female buried beneath the floor of Short Cave, just beyond where the mummy of the infant was found. The rocks surrounding her body were later identified by archaeologists as forming a stone box grave, characteristic of the ancient woodland culture. Uh, like other bodies, she was preserved by the dryness of the cave interior and contact with nitrates in the soil. Estimated to be in her late teens or early 20s, her actual cause of death is unknown. A deep wound, however, was found in the back of her neck. This female mummy was originally displayed in Mammoth Cave, just beyond the natural entrance in the rotunda where one of the saltpeter mining operations was established. Massachusetts antiquarian Nahum Ward read about the discovery and display of the mummy in the journals of the day. He possessed a keen interest in the Indian mounds of Ohio. In 1815, he requested permission from cave manager Archibald Miller to view the mummy. Shortly after, he traveled to the cave accompanied by two guides. He examined the remains of the dried-out human body in the rotunda. Because of the seasonally damp conditions in that area of the cave, Ward suggested that the body be moved to the dry upper-level passage known as the Haunted Chambers. Hmm. There she was displayed in a makeshift upright crypt crypt on a stone ledge. Soon after his visit, Ward obtained ownership of the mummy. According to family correspondence, he believed it would be best to have the body preserved in a museum. Ward also wished to capitalize on the mummy's exhibition, but no verification has been found to substantiate his claim that he discovered the body. And so the story continues on, but finally, um, Ward took the mummy on tour. For a fee, a curious person could see what was called the Mammoth Cave Mummy also referred to as the Queen of the Cave, in various cities and towns along his journey back to his native Massachusetts. 
Accounts describing her discovery and exhibition were published in American and European journals and newspapers. This sparked international interest in Mammoth Cave and its wonders. After the War of 1812 ended, it was safe to travel again. Journeys by stagecoach to Mammoth Cave began in 1816. Tourists came to see the mummies and other curiosities on display. When the travelers arrived at the cave at great personal and financial expense, they discovered there was no mummy to be seen. Instead, the guides began showing the limestone ledge in the haunted chambers where the female mummy had formerly been displayed. This mummy seat became a regular stopover on tours. In 1814, a mummy was discovered in the Audubon Avenue section of Mammoth Cave by one of the cave co-owner Charles Wilkins' workers. It was, however, reburied under stones until 1840, at which time the new owner of the cave found it again while looking for the original location of the body. The weight of the stones covering the body had damaged the mummy so badly that it was not of display quality. Uh, due to the popularity of mummies on display after the war over was over, Short Cave became known as a necropolis, or city of the dead. It was often referred to as Mummy Cave. In 1817, the American Antiquarian Society obtained the female body from Ward. In 1818, three mummies from the Mammoth Cave area were displayed in various cities, including Worcester, Massachusetts, New York City, and Cincinnati, Ohio. Although she was no longer on display at Mammoth Cave, the stories of her discovery and exhibition were capitalized upon. Uh, in perhaps the most significant find was her necklace made of young deer hooves. In reference to this artifact, she was given the name Fawn Hoof, Kentucky's posthumous bell in 1853 by Nathaniel Parker Willis in his book, A Health Trip to the Tropics. Through the years, the legend of Fawn Hoof and other mammoth cave mummies began to grow like fish tales. Successive guides would embellish the story to fit their own beliefs and interests. One version is that the fawn hoof mummy was found with the mummified body of a small child close to her in its own stone box grave. Subsequent stories are that the discovery of the bodies was made in Mammoth Cave itself rather than Short Cave. This is the result of confusion between where the mummies were discovered and where they were exhibited after their exhumation. No doubt, propriety interests paid a major role as well. But is there a connection? See, the thing that I keep finding is that there seems to be a connection between a lot of these caves. I have another one from Short Cave, Scudder's Mummy. Did you read about that I read, one? Yeah. You already read that? I read the whole Dang story. Dang it, I just went through it. <laughs> yeah, it ended up being owned by P.T. Barnum. Yeah, but it burned to the ground. The museum burned to the mm -hmm. ground, and then the subsequent yeah, museum, it ended up burned to the ground. That's I'm just recapping for listeners. It's all detailed yeah, in guys, the movie The you, Greatest Showman. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> greatest show on earth now, the greatest showman you know the this is the greatest show i haven't seen it I'm oh sorry. my goodness yeah the great Cultural the greatest literacy. show on earth with jimmy stewart is one of my favorites <laughs> um I, so i was reading off of barton nunnally's book and he mentioned the lexington um giants are somehow tied to this which i'm not sure how people the thing is we want to do a lex uh, we want to do a giant episode because i want to have aaron on because aaron's got all sorts of theories on giants and things that he's learned over the years so i'm curious to read about those but he mentions i'm just going to read the opening of this chapter from barton nunnally's mysterious kentucky volume two by far the largest known cave system because this also gives us history on when the cave was found mm -hmm. by far the largest known cave system in the entire world with over 400 miles of underground passageways mammoth cave in edmondson county was discovered in the late 1790s by a man named francis houchin while bear hunting he just shot and wounded a bear 
It is said and found that the blood trail led straight to the entrance of a large dark cavern situated near the Green River. Caves like this were valuable assets in the land. Well, we already know all that. Um, but he talks about, okay, so here. The Kentucky miners were also finding other things inside the mines, mysterious things besides a great quantity of Indian artifacts and bones of all type. The bodies of six mummies would eventually be discovered. Some of them, like the alleged Lexington mummies, would even be taller than normal and red hair, which led me to find an article from greatancestors.com, only the finest, uh, called Indian Mummy, dug out of a cellar on Elkwell Creek, Kentucky skeleton of a man eight feet high. Uh, this is from the late 1800s, but I cannot find a date. Let's see if there's anything. November is all I'm seeing, but it, I would say late 1800s. I don't think this is a 1900s newspaper. John Winter of Bell County last week, while digging a cellar at his home on Elkwell Creek, excavated a giant mummy. The mummy was that of an eight of a man eight feet high and wrapped in a winding cloth of skins. It was placed in a canoe-like coffin and crumbled away upon being exposed to the air. At the head of the giant were a stone hatchet and a few cooking utensils and a large hollow stone, which presumably contained food. At his feet was a skin something, I can't read the last line, which had also crumbled to dust. And apparently there's this whole mythology grown around, yeah, I mean, this this is, there's, wow. there's a lot of like this red-haired uh, giant stuff connected to uh, Lexington, which apparently some people are trying to connect back to Mammoth Cave. Probably just because it's close to a cave system that connects to Mammoth Cave mm. would be my assumption. Which would which begs the question, can you even get away from Mammoth Cave being connected to Mammoth Cave if you're anywhere in the west or the southwest part of Kentucky? I would assume not. You're gonna you're it's four hundred miles of cave systems yeah, running around underground. Right. You're not gonna get away from it. Um, so there's a potential connection. Yeah, in everything. Just about anywhere you go there. How do yeah, we I, wrap this up? Because we're we're way over. Yeah. But um, I feel like we haven't scratched the surface. Oh. So next week, <laughs> might have to, I think we're gonna revisit revisit this next week because we will have been there. Right. So maybe while we're there, we can dig up some, you know, on the ground investigative style. We might even do a, a video about it. I think we should. Yeah, I think that'd actually be really cool is to shoot some video while we're there. Mm-hmm. And uh, include it for Squadcast members yeah. on, on the video version mm-hmm. of the show, so they can actually see some of this stuff. Yeah. It's really, I mean, there's, it ties together so many threads of Americana. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited just to be there and see some of these um, interestingly named places and plumb the depths. So we're not we're not wrapping up because we're not done. So we're going to be back on Mammoth Cave next week. Um, so tune in if your squad member be on the lookout I'll try to do a special video it'll probably just be the regular Monsteropolis episode but I'm going to add video to it but we might do some sort of walking tour with Cave tour or something for squad members definitely if you're a squad member be on the lookout on Sunday for some sort of live video from Adams Tennessee where we're supposed to meet up with Tim Henson so all right, uh, leave us a rating review on iTunes, uh, and you can send us mail to monsteropolismail at gmail.com. We'll catch you guys later. Bye-bye.
Monsteropolis is proudly presented on Wadsworth Community Radio 97.1 FM or streaming live at wadsworthcommunityradio.com. It is proudly underwritten by Thurber's Jewelers on the Square in downtown Wadsworth. 